0: Daily DVR is sponsored by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com, the men's accessories marketplace. Cufflinks.com aims to drive men to one place where they can find all the accessories they could want. To elevate their look each day. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order. No minimum. 2020, baby. It's a new year. And every month, Cufflinks has new amazing products. Whether it's Star Wars, Marvel, DC, Disney, all that great stuff. Or the sports stuff. NCAA, NBA, NFL. All or, of course, the classic wearable art, the amazing high-quality Hook and Albert Oxen Bull, and, of course, their own Cufflinks.com brand. We encourage you to elevate your look when you get dressed in the morning. It helps to make you feel more confident and create your individual style. Go to Cufflinks.com DVR today.
1: You can get paid for your love.
0: Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Better Call Saul. My name is Axel. And of course, my co-host on this final episode, we made it to the end, is Ashea. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Sad that the season is over, but glad to see how they're setting things up for this final season.
0: Yes, that was it definitely just leads into what's happening next. Like you, it, it felt in very many ways like a season finale, but I could have also seen me streaming this, you know, like years later and just going right to the next episode of the next season, you know, and just like it's the next episode in the same season. So that was yeah, that was funny. interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get that long, long wait right now.
0: Yeah,
1: we're <laughs> uh, in the writers' room, but they won't be able to film for a while. So, yeah, well, yeah,
0: that they is were talking true. About
1: Hopefully, we'll get it in September 2021. They were saying, and that's their hopeful nature. So,
0: and that'll probably be quicker than a lot of people because this team works so efficiently and so fast. Yeah. You know that, and
1: they were lucky to be in the writers' room to have just started and not be about to go into production.
0: Yes, yeah, definitely. So. It will be a wait, but man, it'll be. I'll be thinking about uh, Lalo crunching that those rocks in the driveway. Just the way they did that—that end scene there and the sound, kind of just like thunder. (laughs) Yeah, and you could just like feel that's like when you get angry and the blood rushes to your ears and it's like hard to hear. You know, everything becomes muffled. It's, it was just, it was amazing. Amazing. Um, but, oh yeah, you can find out about us at DVR Podcast. Follow Ashea at Maronise dot com. You probably heard that already, because we're on the last
1: episode. <laughs> <laughs> to tune in just for the finale.
0: Yeah, right? Well, you never know. Um, but uh, let's get to it. This episode's called Something Unforgivable. It was written and directed by Peter Gould. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool that we got Vince Gilligan, Thomas Schnauz, Peter Gould, like the three guys – who kind of put this thing together in a row there to end this season. Um, I thought it was interesting off the bat that the whole episode really kind of takes place in roughly, you know, a little over 24 hours from Lalo leaving Kim and Jimmy's apartment to Lalo walking out of after the assassination attempt was about, I think, 24 hours. So it was, it was kind of very linear episode. And what was happening
1: point i didn't really take note of that yeah you're
0: right yeah because they state i mean the second scene is mike and gus saying he's gonna die t- and gus tells him he's everything said he's gonna die tonight so that's that night at 3 a.m and he must have left the apartment i don't know what was it like maybe ten, eleven, or something so mm-hmm. a lot and then happens
1: another night so yeah, yeah about 24 hours
0: yep yeah. and as far as the title um, a lot can be taken, something unforgivable, right? I thought it, there's like a lot of different things it could refer to what Nacho did to Lalo, what the Salamancas did to Gus, what Jimmy did to Howard or Kim. What Kim and what it's referenced when Kim says it about what they want to do to Howard. But it's funny, like, I guess it's not so funny that in this show, so many people have done unforgivable things to each other. <laughs> you could, that's like There's like a long list, you know, G- what Gus did to Nacho's dad. Like there's just putting him in that position. It's there's just so many things. It's kind of par for the course in this show for something unforgivable to happen.
1: Yeah. Basically, you said it right there. And yeah, uh, obviously, Kim says it. In her scene, she's uh, – well, Jimmy says it. It happens uh, in that scene. But it definitely refers to just about everything that happens here.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's a good – it it kind of wraps up the season in a way and makes you question, you know, because so much of this episode is about Jimmy and Kim's relationship and what we think may be unforgivable – And what's not, it made me think of that, too, because you think maybe some of the things and the ways Jimmy has lied to Kim would have been unforgivable. But yet, by the end of this, they're closer than ever.
1: Yeah, they weren't unforgivable to her. You're right.
0: It's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's, uh, let's jump right in with Jimmy and Kim. We start out really it's weird it's actually moments before the last episode ended because in the car the other one ended where we see um lalo and and uh nacho already pull out and mike is watching them and everything so this this is like right after like lalo's walking down the hall and Mm -hmm. they are so scared and they they Right away, I was tense, thinking, oh, my God, is he going to come back? (laughs) But I knew we already pulled away.
1: Yeah, they really, really communicated just how terrified they were. And I loved that close-up of Kim that started everything out with her peering out the people Mm. and them looking out the window and all of that. Uh, They were just so scared, and uh, they were also... Uh, Kim, in particular, uh, there's been multiple times in this episode, I think, where she just breathes out this sigh of relief and like all the tension leaves her body and just very well acted.
0: Yeah, it really. I also
1: loved when Jimmy talks to Mike on the phone, when he picks up the phone and Kim sees, oh, what? There was someone on the phone the whole time that Mike addressed what I was really hoping would be addressed, that he heard her big speech When he says, I heard enough to know she saved your ass.
0: Yeah. And then it's funny because Mike says that to him. But then when Kim says, who was that? He says, like, that's the guy that saved my life. You know, (laughs) he kind of like
1: finally comes clean, though. So uh, I was very glad about that. But he's still not completely truthful. Right. He's not telling her more about the situation. Like he said, that's the guy that saved me. He didn't say. That's the guy that I've worked with before. That's true. the guy who, when I told you I had a normal guy, that's him. Or he's the one that wanted to make sure I got the money. Like, there's a lot of information Kim does not know.
0: That's true. And I, and I think he's being pretty honest and I think yeah,
1: he's he, honest, yeah, just he, withholding.
0: Yeah. And, and I think some of it is, you know, he doesn't want to give her any more names I think he might be a little bit worried about, obviously, what just happened because of when she went to the courthouse and met with Lalo. I was actually kind of surprised at how honest he was about everything. But throughout the episode, too, when we see as it progresses and they go to the hotel and he's sitting there and he's asking her, you know, am I bad for you? I feel like the reason why he may not want to tell her things at this point is because he feels like every time he opens his mouth, he's sucking her in more into the
1: game. Mm. You know, when he asked for that, she has such a genuinely surprised reaction. I thought, and then she was very thoughtful, but she seemed very taken aback.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that, she must know that people think that, right? And yeah. it, it must be. I think it's. I think maybe she felt, you know, I think she felt bad for him, but I think she also felt that. And it makes me reflect on my own viewing on, of this series and her character that there's a loss of like agency on her part where everyone's thinking that this reason she makes decisions is because of him and Mm -hmm. not because it's a a decision that she wants and that, you know, she's decided to be with him. It's, you know, I think she fears that maybe after seeing that scene with her mom, which I think is so crucial, it's really what we have of her background Mm -hmm. that she doesn't want to think in her own head that her that jimmy is like her mom she wants to think no i'm i'm making these decisions and she is even either way though they're bad decisions (laughs) i
1: think there could also be an element of when he asks am i bad for you she's like we made a commitment already yeah we dealt with that i think already but also, in reading interviews, um, now that I'm free to read them post-season, uh, there's really one of the things that they've highlighted, um, Ray Seahorn in particular, was just how little we actually know about Kim's mm-hmm. past, what a mystery she is. Like, we know that thing about her mom, but we don't actually know about her teen years. Like, there's huge swaths of, uh, of things that she could have been getting into in her past,
0: True. That's totally true, and I, I think
1: and that and that is what they brought up is what is becoming, I think, the central question of Better Call Saul, as they said, which is who is Kim Wexler?
0: It's so interesting, right? Yeah, I've read a couple articles too where people have gone as far as to say, "Okay, we can firmly say now that what this series really is about is Kim." I don't particularly. I think it's about all the characters. Yeah. Um, Yeah,
1: obviously, like Mike and Gus and not like there's so many other characters, but I think I, I think she, I don't know how to say it exactly, but I I think she is the central mystery, I suppose.
0: Uh, Yeah, because and that's, that's, you need that in a prequel, right? Like we know. Kind of where Jimmy ends up, even though they've given us these gene scenes, which we don't see this episode. I was a little, I guess, I wasn't too surprised because they're sparing they, with those.
1: Did they always have them in the finale? Um, they were just in the premiere.
0: No, no, I don't think so. But they, but I, I, I we're I, hoping
1: because yes. we're towards the end. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, exactly. I was thinking like we're ramping it up, but I was oh, totally cool with it. Um
1: I'm hoping that since next season is 13 episodes that perhaps we'll get the first 10 or a standard better call Saul season and then the last 3 or post breaking bad or something. That would be awesome.
0: Yeah, that would be really awesome. Um well there's a, uh I don't I, I was I don't remember what I was saying, but I I do remember that there was a great um part here where after he says the am I bad for you where she kind of does her like, we're going to put this in order and make sense of it. Right. And she's like, well, you crossed the line, but you're not going to do it again. And then I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, they've only had this (laughs) confidence. Like, I think I just had this conversation with my son last night when he stole the Chromebook and hid it under his bed. (laughs) But it's like, he is going to do it again. Oh yeah. My, my kid for school. Oh, Chrome.
1: Chrome. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I thought he really liked the bird.
0: <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You got like Game of Thrones on the mind there, right? Um, <laughs> the crow, no, he, he he stole his little Chromebook. And I actually, right. I thought about it because um, I had seen the episode and I was like, it kind of made, it made me actually more calm because I, you know, when it, when your kid does something, you can kind of freak out sometimes It'd be like, oh gosh, the kid lied. He had to put it under his bed, but he's a little kid. But just also, it is going to, don't fool yourself. It's going to happen again. And when she says that, she goes and lays down and it's like, okay, we've made it. We've done this, put it in a package, compartmentalized it. I'm going to bed. And he just sits there at the edge of the bed. And you can see on his face, he just knows there's no end to this. Like we're traveling down this road, but what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, and I mean, if he'd come a little bit more clean to her about how he, how exactly he got roped into getting the money, which is that Mike, uh, who saved him, had you know basically twisted his arm to tell him to do it, and the cartel. So then Kim would realize, and what Jimmy needs to tell her, which is that he'll have to do it again if yeah. he's asked. He doesn't yeah. have a choice. Yep. It's not, a, it's not even a matter of his own willpower, his own self-control.
0: Exactly. And this plays into something that happens later in the episode um, where I think that this conversation, I'm pretty convinced that at, a, at at a point later when she comes back from work, comes back from the office and all that, or the courthouse, that he was thinking of breaking up with her. and oh, I. Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. Okay, 100%. you agree. Okay, cool. Yeah, 100%. They, yeah. they agreed that they I – mean, in an interview, they brought it up as well. Oh, the good. Them, but, you know, it was so clear to me. And it was so clear to me that, that Kim knew too.
0: All right, awesome. I I'm, I did not read that, and that is – because I thought as when I was doing the rewatch and doing my notes, I'm watching this scene, I'm thinking as an actor, it's like – this is where he starts to realize, like he's thinking. That's where that started, but um,
1: I'm, I'm so glad they didn't go that direction. At least not for now, because I could, you know, I could sense that coming, and I was like, they're gonna have this whole argument. And Kim's mm-hmm. already dealt with that at work. Because, um, again, that scene was before, and like I've seen this sort of thing. A million times in TV and movies, the, you know, the man is worried about the woman. He has to give her up yep. just to keep her safe. It's, it's cliche. It's so cliche. Yeah. So glad to see it turned on its head.
0: That's exactly how I felt. Uh, I, I felt, and I, and I love this subtlety in which they did it. And really all these kind of hotel scenes, we continue on. They wake up the next morning. Jimmy want, and this is a little. This is a little bit like a retread of what we saw before, where they were yeah. at their own apartment. He wants to stay in for the day. Kim said, "Kim's already up. She has cases." Then she leaves, and then I think it's Mike that Jimmy calls, looking for info, because that's whose house he goes to later.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, that's when he get him him hounding him, angry yeah. and all that after that. But you now he tries really hard, but. Kim just – I mean she's excited, right, about her pro bono work. She wants to get to work.
0: Oh, And she sure does because she's at the courthouse and when she first kind of like double takes the uh, – I guess the head public defender, um, I thought that she was scared or she was looking around for Lalo's guys for a second. But she was really just excited to talk to him, corners doing him.
1: shady. What's that? And she was doing something shady. True. You know, like, I think she was ashamed a little bit, and he made it, made it clear, too. I mean, they literally made this deal in a stairwell. Yeah. She, like, kind of a back room sort of thing.
0: Um, and what she ends up doing is taking these 20 cases, um, just, like, lightening his load, but also the way that he's so surprised, you know, they always do – they don't they don't go too far i mean this is not like the wire or something where it's such an examination of the you know the criminal justice system but just the real way that they show it uh it, i always appreciate and when they go into this file room and you see the ceiling again they always love to show the ceilings and it's like the tiles are missing it's all stained and she has to pick the files and when he's talking to her about the different files, you know, you could have this one. Or if you really want, you could take the kids. And then yeah. immediately she gets a look. And it made me think, of course, of the scene we saw. But I wonder if that's a clue to maybe something that she might be doing next season.
1: Yeah, I wonder about that as well. That if we'll see her as a juvenile and some trouble she's gotten into whether herself or something with her mother it doesn't have to be that kim did something bad or crossed a line necessarily there's a lot of permutations to that but the last three that he listed seemed like the best bet to get kim in here Mm. in the heart as he's as grant said that guy which were (laughs) Immigration, domestic violence, and juveniles. It seems like those are the type of cases, pretty much, that Kim would be choosing.
0: Yeah, and he was great. I mean, always the casting in this show is awesome. Um,
1: But you're right when you pointed out that he's surprised that she she wants to take on these cases. And she doesn't tell him about her job change. But then that goes. We see in Kim's next work scene, obviously, we see uh, Howard. Uh, who's in the same position of just being really shocked at her decision here.
0: Yeah, and he too is um, – and I di- I actually did read one um, interview with her where she was talking about how – and it happened several times in this episode, and I think that part when Jimmy says like, am I bad for you is included, where Kim just hates when people are – making decisions about her or thinking or boxing her in, in a certain way. And she, what Howard thinks is going to be this big breakthrough of what he's going to tell her. Jimmy's doing sure. this, you know, she's uh, not only kind of laughing at him, but I think offended too. Like, fuck you, Howard, you know?
1: Yeah. She's laughing at the, how, how ludicrous it yeah. is that Howard thinks that he should give her advice on her life. Basically, hey. you know, I love, love, loved everything about this, about Kim later, just everything to do with Kim having her own agency and not just having it, but her, I don't know, claiming it, her w- wanting it to be clear that she has it, that she's her own person, basically.
0: Yeah. And,
1: but I I do do, wish she told Howard. She didn't tell Howard that Jimmy argued against her her decision.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, I think that she just, Howard has become, I think for Jimmy and Kim and for the plan that they lay out later on as well. It's like Howard as a person, I don't think is as bad as the, the, the kind of archetype they project onto him or that he represents to them mm-hmm. because he is, I mean, he's Howard, you know? And I
1: think oh, that, he's not that guy, yeah.
0: but he represents this system and he represents going back to that. Um, you know, the, uh, that, what, who was the Esposito girl that they didn't give yeah. the, um, the, uh, uh, Chuck's scholarship to, it's just like he's saying, they're never going to let you win. And that's what Howard is. He's one of these people. So I think Kim's anger, her frustration towards Howard. I mean, she did work with him for a long time too. She was the protege, right? Um, I think so.
1: one thing that, that Ray Sehorn pointed out too, is that she, you know, just like Jimmy, she maybe has this chip on her shoulder. Mm. And we saw that earlier this season with them kind of, wanting to help the little guy. They both have that, that, um, that interest. But she also pointed out the, you know, Kim has this chip on her shoulder towards as she put it, the Kevin Wachtels and the Howard Hamlin's Mm -hmm. of the world. And she was like, she Kim was down there in the, the, you know, whatever, not mail room, but uh, down in the file room. For maybe longer than she thought she should have been at h h m that there could be simmering resentments of her own,
0: definitely, yes, most definitely, and that that it's that control thing, right, and the way that Howard is the type of guy that would say, "Let's keep her down there so we can toughen her up or you know and make yeah. a a choice that really affects someone's life just offhand like that the power that he feels comfortable wielding and to take that power back. And I, I mean, Hey, as an artist, as a person who has kind of gone against the grain, I'm not, you know, in my life, I can feel that too. You get that feeling that why can't I just, you know, why can't I have a little bit of that control or be able to make a decision over my own life, not have these people making that decision for me. And I think that does inform a lot of where Kim is coming from, uh, especially towards the end of the episode where she's just so serious about fucking Howard over that, you know, this, this scene shows it. And what's kind of cool is there's a, there's a good visual language here that they hold a nice wide shot of them in this empty, dark, dilapidated courtroom and they just hold it a little bit long. And I think it's just to kind of show, I guess, the emptiness, the meaninglessness of this of this, this courtroom, these laws, the people who make them and how I think Kim is seeing that, that the only opportunity she has to help people is to take the cases that nobody even wants. It's not about helping people. Uh, it's just yeah. eating people up.
1: I I think she also just sees that the laws some need to be bent sometimes no. to really make the greater good happen. And which, you know, is egotistical is uh, her thinking that she's the one that gets to decide what when, when the ends justify the means. She says later, you know, it's one lawyer versus all of this. And it's just a career setback just a career setback so yeah i mean she may be trying to do all this good but she's doing it i think knowing that she's not gonna just follow the law
0: yeah and and also i mean there's a danger to herself that i don't think she's taking into account you know there's that kind of um and as it comes to jimmy too um, and then we we jump over to Jimmy. As we said earlier, he had given Mike a call, and he's banging on the door. I know you're in there. <laughs> no, he's
1: not in there. You you when you're walking, you're like he's not in there. He's not inside that house right
0: now. I know. It's and they even I think you know, I think they're playing with you because they even they show like the chair that he's always in. Right? Like if he's not there, he's not in the house. And of course, Mike is standing right behind him. He's like get inside. And then Jimmy really kind of – he's so scared and what he's really scared about Kim. And I think Mike senses that when they get to that point is when I – it felt to me that Mike relents. And he's like, look, don't worry about it. Solo, you know, yeah. Lalo's going to die tonight.
1: Yeah, he definitely softens. And he had a few opportunities to get to that point. I mean Mike's already that type of person that wants to – look out for you know ancillary people but also he saw how kim was a motivator for jimmy in the desert uh to do that very brave thing that might have saved mike's life ultimately too um that so we can see how much jimmy genuinely loves her and then he saw that kim is a capable person who saved jimmy he just had this personal connection to her yeah. despite having not met her
0: that's a great point that's a great point. And I wonder, too, if maybe we'll get some Mike and Kim scenes.
1: I would love it. <laughs> that
0: would be awesome. Yeah. That would be very awesome. Um,
1: but, yeah, Mike tells him that Lala is going to die that night, uh, which doesn't happen. Not so much. Yeah. <laughs> Oof, that, uh, but he also says his family's coming over, so things are going well for Mike a little bit.
0: Yeah, that was that was <laughs> nice. He was like, "I've got family coming over," and Jimmy's kind of yeah. looks at him like, "You have family?" <laughs> like,
1: yeah, he had just he had just walked in with his grocery bags too. Maybe he's making some dinner. <laughs> yeah.
0: There you go, Mike. Uh, no more mean uh, grandpa, Mike. Um, so we get back to the hotel room, and this is uh, I think the re- really there's a couple scenes here, but it's really just a continuous um scene and i mean mm-hmm. this is where when when kim initially walks in jimmy's lying there and she kind of says to him really or something like that like you've been laying here all day or something he's like really yeah. uh and then he eventually says that lalo's gonna die tonight can we really believe I think,
1: it i oh, think she said really by the way and i only caught this when i rewatched. i think he must have texted her I think oh,
0: he must Oh, just- okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what, okay. I yeah, did not exactly. get that.
1: He says, really? And he says, yes. And he says the thing. And then she like has that huge breath of relief and okay. she has to sit down. She's so relieved. But yeah, I didn't catch it. I was like, I guess she thinks he's being lazy or she's surprised <laughs> he didn't go to the his- spot. <laughs> I didn't know the first viewing.
0: <laughs> that's good. That makes total sense because then you're right. There's an, her, her disposition changes and she's running up to him. Like, is it really true? Blah, blah, blah. You know? And then they, you know, they kind of agree that they think they're going to be safe. And then that's when she sits down, she grabs the menu, she's looking through it. And then he's like, I packed your stuff and my stuff. And I really thought he was going to break up with her here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And she could tell too. And she pivots really well. And she's using the same exact arguments that Jimmy tried earlier too. That burger sounds really good, by the way. (laughs) I really want that burger. Made me hungry. But she also kind of uh, heads things off as well. Like she can tell where Jimmy's going, what he's feeling and she heads it off by bringing up Howard and his own insulting statements and his accusations against Jimmy. Like, hey, I didn't like it when he said this to me that it was for my own good. Because she knew that's what Jimmy's about to tell her, that it was for her own good.
0: Yeah. But
1: Jimmy, also real quick, Jimmy did the one thing that I always want characters to do, which is to give a little bit more information, which is it happened before we got married. So easily someone would have just not said that in a TV show.
0: Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's those little I mean this show is so much about the the subtle emotional details because it's like part of the obsession with process and you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. That little distinction when they first said that I was like, "Why is that important?" It's like, "Oh no, that would kind of be important because they made this deal and, you know, and it was important he knew that it was going to be important to her, but it also shows that how close they've really become how this situation is really bringing them to the point where he can be sensitive directly to her feelings like that. And that's that it's, it's just really interesting the way they're showing this growth amidst this insane situation that they've gotten themselves into. It's kind of, beautiful it's tragically beautiful and the way that they turn this talk about howard into this whole game about like or we could put nair in his shampoo or oh. chlorine, and then they go from the or and then they just segue right into bed and they're saying or it's just man it was absolutely just beautiful blocking and the way the scenes changed um it
1: yeah, was great know, Starts out a little, a little bit serious, even. Like, I mean, it it is lighthearted throughout it, but when she says, "You know, Howard, you know he can stand to be taken down a peg." Mm -hmm. That's the sort of thing Jimmy says uh, very much to talk about someone being taken down from like their pedestal, basically. But uh, I laughed so much when when Kim's idea for Howard right off the bat. She's like, "Well, you've gotten his reputation. You've gotten this." Next up his hair and (laughs) what it says a lot about it as well, which is that Kim has this very elaborate shaving idea that she's not a con artist. You know, she hasn't been doing this for such a long time, but Jimmy just straight up knows. Nair is what you do. It's an old gag. You know, it's common. It's a thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you could tell, like you said about, we were talking earlier about her history with Howard, that it's not the first time she has thought about, You know the things that are so important to him. The this the artifice of what Howard is. You know, in the same way that Jimmy threw the bowling balls on his car. His namaste. It's that. It's that. You know, that way of just feeling that he's so fake, and he and yet he has all this power over them. but this whole thing is great. I just love the way that they do the talking under the sheet.
1: Yeah, it was um, very intimate, sweet. My favorite uh, suggestion was replacing the tanning lotion with sunblock. <laughs> All that wasting time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was
0: hilarious. Such a mind fuck. They're great. Um, yeah, it's really great. But it it, it ends up that... It leads to them talking about Sandpiper, and that you know this is something that they have not really spoken about this season, and that is that that's still held up, and -hmm. they have not yet settled. And yeah,
1: I remember we were talking about it, and I didn't I didn't expect it to come up right here at the very end. Yeah.
0: And it's – I mean, there's – you get the kind of clue, right, like with him getting the hundred grand for doing – that the money – I i sense that Kim had – in the same way that Jimmy will have these ideas for the scam early in a scene and then it comes up later, I feel like Kim walked into that room with that idea already fully formed.
1: Yeah. I got that sense as well, and I think she's genuine in her um, idea here. I think she wants to do it, right? Like, maybe Jimmy says she wouldn't be okay with it in the cold light of day and all that, but I personally think she is. like There's just these little things like her smile, just the look in her eyes that look so genuine. But notably, in the interviews I read, both Seahorn and Odenkirk raised the idea We don't actually know if she was serious, which is a different interpretation than I would have thought of the idea that, you know, she's messing around. She's testing Jimmy a little bit. Uh, An interesting counterpoint. But I 100% think she's genuine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I could believe that it exists in both places at once and that because this kind of turn is something new for her – That she's dipping her toes in and experimenting and playing it out just as they have done in their relationship before um, with the way they've even played different roles of people, you know, and the scams that they've done. But I do feel like she would be just as serious as she would not be, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like uh, Schrodinger's. Kim or something. She, you know, like,
1: she definitely has immediate plans. For yeah. The, sand, the sandpiper money. I mean, she wants to do her pro bono practice. Mm-hmm. She just knew instantly. Like, she had been thinking about it, and like, there's stuff she fantasizes about having money for. Yeah. Jimmy, he just he wants a house, and I mean, they're going to get two million, so they can indeed do both. <laughs> As it happens, they're living swankly in this hotel and I think we might see maybe in the next season some bits of them living it up perhaps a little bit more uh, I think might be possible Um, but I think one of the my favorite moments in the whole episode maybe in the whole season like pretty high up there is when Kim as when Jimmy says Kim wouldn't do it you wouldn't do this in the cold light of day and Kim just goes wouldn't I? And she's just, there's this beat and she has this smile and it's just two words, but it's so impactful.
0: Yeah. I have my notes, my God, the look on her face. And that's exactly what I was talking about right after she said that. And she just looks at him and that's not a look that she has had often in this series. And it's, it was of grim determination and, you know, or you just, you don't know again. And, and a bit of the fuck you in a sense to him too. Like, okay, this is the umpteenth time, this episode that someone questions about me knowing myself and, and having control. And that's, and, and that it's interesting because they do this in like two scenes. They, they kind of plan it out. They don't, they're under the sheets and then, Um, they, they say they, she first says, oh, you know, we wouldn't do that. And then they both lie down and we get an over the head shot. And Jimmy has the same look he had of kind of resignation earlier when she said, you're not going to do this again. And he knew he would. And now she's got that same look on her face. And when they come back, she's immediately kind of pushing again and talking about it. That's when she gives that face, and then he says, "You know, you're shitting me, right?" And she does the old two-gun salute, like you know, Saul yeah, Goodman salute. Finger
1: gun, which, if anyone doesn't remember, the ending, the last bit of season f- of season four was Jimmy doing mm-hmm. the same finger guns to see- to to uh, Kim right after he had this big uh change in himself him changing into Saul Goodman and her uh breaking bad as it were
0: yeah that was brilliant it was absolute and the way she did it too the she still had that look like where she was kind of like try me buddy and yeah uh,
1: that's a great description try me buddy yeah. uh, you know how Jimmy he's just so confused and conflicted sitting there just his despite not displaying a whole lot of, of extreme emotion you can still see him vacillating I think between is she is she serious should we even do this you know uh, between whether he wants to do it and whether it's dangerous there's a lot of, of considerations
0: yeah it's it, it was great and I thought that was going to be the end of the episode um, yeah. and, but we end up Ending with Lalo. Um, But that, I mean, this is fantastic, tragic. I love to see that they're coming together. They're already setting a scam for next season. You can see it playing out. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I thought that. The, just the efficiency of this of this story and the finale and so much of it taking place in this hotel and by the way, I keep on forgetting to mention but it's always in my head I love those little cutouts in the hotel like how the wall had those little like cutouts in it
1: mm-hmm.
0: and little things I, I love that kind of design I uh, mm-hmm. just want to mention that but um yeah. it, it, this the, this was just so brilliant. That so much of this really was just them working out their relationship, what had kind of happened during the season, the journey that they had been on. And, and of course, most recently to come to the point of Jimmy being the one sitting there after we started the season of his rise of, you know, badass Saul Goodman. And then (laughs) who's the badass really? It's Kim in the end kind of leading the charge now.
1: Where, where has Kim been all of, of all of Breaking Bad? She's down with the cartel doing their book, <laughs> obviously. Um, well, she got sucked in. Oh uh, but no, God. I did take note in this scene. She's in her Kansas City Royals uh, PJ top, which just reminds me again of her connection to Kansas City and uh, Jean's proximity.
0: Yeah, we shall see. That is my hope. They, I mean, I don't think that there's... It's too ripe unless there really are planning on, like they've said a little bit on the podcast, the official podcast this season, that, you know, if we could do another one, it would be Kim. Um, I mean, I would be cool with that if they leave the kind of Jean stuff off and we somehow pick up in a Kim show. I'm, I'd be down to watch it. But you have mm. to think that th- this is what the show has become about. And it's got to connect. It's just got to. Taking a little break from this show to remind you again of our amazing presenting sponsor, CuffLinks.com. They've been with us for over a year. and We're so proud to have them. So go out and support them. If you're a listener to any of our podcasts, take a moment right now, type in CuffLinks.com slash DVR into that old web browser and you will arrive and you will be amazed, happy. Surprised at the amazing products that Cufflinks.com has, you might think to yourself, "Hey, I don't have an informal event coming up. You know, I'm not into Cufflinks, but guess what? They have a lot more than that. Actually, I'm wearing a pair of Star Wars socks that they sent me. Cufflinks.com is where it's at. Go to Cufflinks.com/slash DVR today. Hmm. Um. You want to jump over to Gus and Mike?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's our good segue back to uh, the cartel stuff of Lalo and Nacho. So, yeah, first off, the first shot we get of Gus, I think it was really good and notable because there's this caution tape in front of Gus. And he's someone that's known for his caution and also we should be cautious of him. (laughs) Mm,
0: Yeah, most definitely. And it was just crazy to see the restaurant burn down like that.
1: Hmm. And Mike again here. He's pushing to pull Nacho out. He's really trying.
0: Yeah, he definitely. I mean, telling Mike. I mean, I'm sorry. Telling Jimmy that Lalo was going to get taken out was not a typical Mike. That there really was a change. And Mike coming back to work with Gus, it really is as though he has set new rules for himself that he's going to make the decision about what information he shares with people. And he's also going to take more liberties with Gus because yeah, this is like the third time that he's pushing this on Gus.
1: Yeah, he really is pushing it on him. And I don't know how they can, I mean, I guess now that Nacho's cover is blown, as long as he doesn't die before Lalo could get to him, then the way Mike and Gus can help him is to, you know, get him out. Basically to make it to have help him escape.
0: True. And if not, perhaps it's kind of like a chit for Mike against Gus in their relationship. Like if something does happen to Nacho, then Mike can say to Gus, like, look, I was right. You see, like it ended up that this kid's dead because of what you did. But then I still think Gus saying to him, that's the game.
1: Yeah, he'd be like, that's the cost of business. He wouldn't care. He just doesn't care.
0: Yeah, that's why I don't even – I usually agree with Mike, but on this case, he just doesn't have a leg to stand on. It is definitely better to keep Nacho in there, especially when we – and actually, I should just say before we move on from this scene that this is when we initially find out that they're going to kill Lalo. He says it to him. This is when Mm -hmm. Gus tells Mike. But – you see the way that that Lalo has kind of listened to what Kim said, you need to get your house in order, and getting his house in order means that he's now paying more attention to Nacho seeing and maybe it's the reason why he says we have a long trip when we get when as soon as he gets into the car after talking to Kim, like mm-hmm. he's made that decision on the stairway down. Hey, this this crazy lady was right. And Nacho, I should, I got to get somebody to follow after me. Um,
1: Yeah, Nacho's a good candidate. He thinks he sees him. I mean, that's what he tells Nacho. Later in the episode, he goes, "You know, I see you. Don't think I don't see you." (laughs) He doesn't see him. He does not see him, but he does see that he's capable.
0: It's just funny. It's not like from Avatar, "I see you, (laughs) I see you." It was like kind of Lalo's a sweetheart. There's something sweet about him. But um, what I was going to say too is, (laughs) yeah, um, that it just goes to show how right Gus is that. If Nacho is going to be lifted up, then he needs. Then having him in his pocket is so valuable. Like I just don't I mean, get where Mike's coming from.
1: He's going, but Gus doesn't take it from that angle. He's saying Wallo's going to be killed. We need a man on the inside. Yeah. So basically, he's saying Nacho is going to blow his position up because if if everyone dies there, and oh, Nacho. Oh, okay. Then they don't have a you know they don't have a man in position in power anymore. They Nacho's use was to get Lalo killed, which uh. they would have to have him escape. Whether Lalo you know dies or doesn't, I guess when I think about it,
0: you you are right. I did not think that through all the way, all the way, and I guess that I was not thinking about how how Nacho if it had gone down correctly how Nacho could have explained that he got out. It's
1: odd. Yeah. yeah. I I was thinking about that even now that it didn't go correctly. I do still wonder. I don't think there's a way for him to play it off to Lalo, but I do wonder if there's some sort of way that he could say such thing. I don't think so, but
0: yeah, I don't, you know, because the cartel just doesn't play like that. If there's even a hint of it, right. Yeah. Like
1: maybe if, not- nacho got captured by someone mm. is the only thing i could think of
0: yeah or sh- or he ends up shooting himself to make it out like he you and know he got
1: shot and he ran out yeah. but like I-, I will say um that how far is nacho's place in chihuahua from other people like they said just get out of there how far like is this going to be another uh, mike and and uh mm-hmm. jimmy situation just trying to get to civilization
0: that that would be interesting with the ease that nacho ended up riding out there with lalo and then he mm-hmm. gets stuck in a desert or something that would be kind of yeah, interesting
1: just, yeah but, i don't um, know how far away any of that is and he had no cell no. service but one question i had here so Mike says that Nacho won't have any self-service. And Gus goes, that's a technical issue. What I realize is I think my, Gus fixes this. I think he, they must, there must be some way for them to, like, extend the signal or something like that. Maybe through a series of signals. Because when they call him, he has service for him, them to call him. And then as soon as they hang up and they don't want to, like, they're done... He has no service again. Right.
0: Hmm. That's interesting.
1: Seems like they just, that there is some sort of technology that does this perhaps.
0: I don't know if they could have some kind of mobile cell tower or something, you know, that would receive the signal.
1: That that was my only guess because it was, I mean, he gets, he, he, uh, the timing is perfect. So, yeah, Aziz is nodding at me. I mean, that, that was my only guess. I just don't know about that technology. Mm-hmm. About I like it that. Just, uh, I like
0: that a
1: lot. But uh, So, yeah, obviously that that sets us up for Nacho actually getting the information. If only they didn't have that technology, then Nacho would not know to be the man on the inside. <laughs>
0: yeah, true that. Um, I did also want to mention that we get this scene where they kind of arrive at the compound and um, – I love this place. I mean the locations that they have on this show are always amazing. And it's so interesting the way everybody loves Lalo. Like they like Lalo, you're home, you know,
1: like yeah. his smiling face when he yeah. rolls down the window and then them driving through with the guys shooting in the air. They're all <laughs> cheering and happy. And like it's just this happy scene, but then yep. Lalo has that shift when he's talking to the teen boy where you just see he's very powerful very scary
0: <laughs> yeah and i wondered there i like to like this is the subtlety too in the writing that i could imagine that these actors or there's a story there between lalo and this kid and yeah, yeah. there's and some he yells
1: at him later
0: too yeah exactly you're cooking again or right like that um that's it's really interesting the way they kind of put that little touch in there that isn't completely necessary, but it says something you're right about Lalo and about, Hey, everybody's happy, but he still is a freaking cartel guy and he's got the rage and he's pointing it at this kid. And I wondered if this kid was related to him in some way, because when not, when Nacho is introduced later or when, lalo says to don eladio i've got someone to introduce you his name is nacho he says oh not a salamanca and so yeah so i wonder if maybe it's be maybe this the story i invented in my mind is that this kid would be the heir apparent but he keeps on messing up so he's still stuck at the house and instead He's giving it to Nacho. So I don't know if that – maybe that's going to become a part of it or we find out that he's related to him. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But I mean maybe that's part of his rage too, right? Like that these people were more important than we may have known.
1: I really appreciated – I mean, they were important no matter what. He had, he had a connection to them. Yeah. Um, but I really appreciated in this opening scene, in addition to establishing that Lalo's popular, that we get an introduction to everyone in the household, which makes what happens later much, mm-hmm. much sadder when they actually took the, a little bit of time to be like, this is our cook, you know. Yeah. Uh, this is the, our gardener. And you see them smiling and happy.
0: Yep, and it is. You're you're absolutely right because it made me think of when we first saw Lalo, when he was cooking in the kitchen, and Nacho walked in. (laughs) He's like, "What the hell are you doing here?" And we're like, "Who is this guy?" And for a while, you just didn't even know who the guy like right. And then he becomes his character, and now we're at his house, and the whole time that life existed. Right, but as viewers, we're just seeing oh, there's who the hell is this cartel guy? But then there's this whole full life behind him. Uh, I thought, yeah, it's really brilliant. And and the things they add too, like we get this scene where he's fixing a car again. He's always this is like the third or fourth time he he's fixing a car. car. And, and he it's
1: even like brings a car. <laughs> yeah,
0: true. He's into cars, and it makes me think that he's a fixer. Like he ha- I feel like the real. Um, adversaries are not really Gus and Lalo, but Lalo's adversary is Mike. Lalo is like a fixer like Mike. Like he can get in and actually figure things out. Um, and really it's the like Hector, you know, that's the opposition uh, that's going on there with Gus. But I think it's kind of like there's a there's kind of like a parallel I see Between them showing Lalo keep on doing things like this, that's very Mike-like. And that's when we get where he says to Nacho, hey, I see you. And he says, I'm going to introduce you to the boss. You call him Don. And then, like like we had already went over, Nacho gets that call that they're going to open the gate at 3 a.m. so they can come in and kill him.
1: Yeah, and Nacho's still like so, um, you know thoughtful here he just tells them not to hurt the others wow. he tells them who's in there and they just hang up on him just he can't call him back there's no more service I I mean which leaves him in this position where how he has to be so so torn on whether to open the gate whether he actually could or not if, if he opens it he doesn't have any assurances that he's not leading to the deaths of you know like however many almost 10 people something like that
0: yep yeah yeah what great acting here and yeah like you're saying this whole season nacho has just been had no control um everybody telling him what to do every time he gets a piece of information he's thrown into something else and and can just figure it out on the fly and this scene in this little bathroom is so tense um, and when we continue on to the party at Don Eladio's, I, th- I feel like there's like a chain, like Nacho, this has brought on him some sort of, you know, he, he's got to kind of stand up. He's so quiet all the time. And you want, sometimes I wonder about Nacho, like, how did he get to this position in the first place? But mm-hmm. it was in these scenes that we see when he meets Don Eladio that you see – what Nacho's capable of, and he's a smart motherfucker, and he knows when he has to step up, he steps up. But first, we get the whole thing with uh Bosa being short on cash and explaining, and we know what that's about. It's because yeah. of the shit that Lalo did.
1: Hmm. Um, Meanwhile, Lalo's this. I mean, Bosa's just mean mugging him. He's not look happy. As soon as Lalo says hi, he turns <laughs> on the arm, but. He does not look pleased at all. But Lalo is just this true showman with that car of money. Like yep. when he starts, when he jiggles the keys and they go over to the car, <laughs> I was like, man, what showmanship. And then like one minute later, uh, Don Eladio goes, and now this is a showman. Yeah. Was like, yes, it was- very much so. just just uh, he's got all the money in the frunk as Eladio does it. <laughs> and Don Eladio is is high off his gourd all yes. the time. This and is great. Just over that car, he's hilarious.
0: I love him. I love seeing that back patio again, where so much shit went down and will go down. It's just, I I, I love the. He's so Lalo is amazing, he's smart, and he's got that. You can see that he would love Lalo. You know, like yeah, you
1: can see why they get along. Yeah, exactly, for sure.
0: they're like the same kind of people. Yeah, the um,
1: same like madman the same crazy yeah. drug lord archetype
0: <laughs> and the big smile too like you're saying right they both have the hey it's like a game that they're playing you know um like have yeah. fun with this
1: yeah it's like when they when they smile that down on you it can feel so good but if they flip if they turn mm. that switch then you're dead
0: Yep, it's exactly a, they're
1: so dangerous yeah two-faced uh like that
0: And he shows Uh, a bit of that seriousness um, when he has the conversation with Nacho, which I think Nacho passes with flying colors.
1: Yeah, he does. He really does. Nacho is calm, careful, calculated, and concise.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And like you say, it really made – because I think – I want to know Nacho's backstory because he – it's like the thing with his dad reawakened parts of himself that he had tried to push away. And Mm -hmm. now he is feeling, I mean, he's trapped in so many ways, but the emotion, like, like when, like you said, when he said, don't kill the other people here, but when he steps up here, I was like, wow, this is really, you can see that explains to me how Nacho got to get this high in the cartel in the first place while being able to be such an intelligent and emotional person. But when the time comes, he steps up and says all the right things. And even when he's questioned about the biker gangs and he's like, no, I don't want to cause a war. I want them to go to war to each at each other, which he knows that a likes that shit. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was just a great conversation.
1: Yeah, he really had thought about it. He put thought into it, which I I think is interesting. I don't think he just came up with that out of the blue, you know? I don't know. Do you think so? Or do you think he thought about what he would do if he were the boss?
0: Yeah, I think he did. I think he was tapping into the part of himself that got into it in the first place. Like, this is what he, I mean, everybody, I mean, if he, like I'm saying, if he had gotten this far, he must have had those ambitions at some point. And these are, he probably still has the ideas, though he doesn't, he doesn't have the opportunity to act on them, nor does he have the desire any longer. But if he could, this is who Nacho would be. And I think it showed in this scene that, like, Nacho could probably be an effective leader in the cartel and a good earner, Um but he doesn't have the other part, which is he's not a sadistic motherfucker that like a mm-hmm. ladio and Lalo. And Gus yeah. too. Um mm-hmm. but the next we, we move on and this is where we get this amazing scene. It's night. You know, we start out with Lalo. I mean, I'm sorry, Nacho looking through
1: the house.
0: He's preparing something. That, yeah, you
1: know, you know it's interesting. That he knows how to do that—that that lock thing with like aluminum foil. I don't even know what it was.
0: Yeah, me neither. But I bet you, I would probably look it up. That's like an anarchist to, cookbook thing.
1: Yeah, it speaks more to I guess what you were saying in, in terms of us knowing about Nacho's backstory. Mm-hmm. Like, you no, know, he was friends with Crazy Eight, and that was they got in the business together or something like that. But or maybe he did a little bit more stealing in his past. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and it plays into uh, him breaking into the stash house earlier in the season. Like, there's more yeah. to Nacho than meets the eye. And you'd think, too- He's always
1: in all black, too. He was in skinny jeans, all black. Mm-hmm. He's a ninja.
0: <laughs> He's a Nacho ninja. Um, <laughs> but you would think that in writing this scene, that the obstacle, the dilemma- would be how to get the lock off the gate but we start out with that already being solved he's mm-hmm. already solved that so he already knew it was a problem so he's already gotten past one problem and before we can even kind of figure that out we see that lalo is awake and they sit down he go he he uh he doesn't get the drinks yet, but they have a little bit of a conversation. I think they had a beer before they get the real, the harder stuff. Mm
1: -hmm. And, and
0: you really see here, this is kind of, again, like in the midst of being so nervous at everything about, we know what's coming. It was kind of a beautiful little scene. And Lalo really does seem to kind of be trying to take Nacho under his wing.
1: Yeah. Nacho's growing on him. You know, he, like like we said, both of us, Lalo's taken Kim's words to heart, but I think in them having this conversation, Lalo, uh, Nacho might have given a little bit something away. I mean, if Lalo thinks back to this night, you know, uh, Lalo asks if he has trouble, you know, if he doesn't sleep, if he has mm-hmm. trouble sleeping, and Nacho says not tonight, you know, regarding not sleeping, that it's not that he just can't sleep. It's just that he can't get sleep tonight, uh, which is a very damning thing to have said when you're looking back to something. And then,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I
1: think. but Nacho is really quick thinking here. Like well, number one, well, already it was quick thinking to do the lock thing because he had only whatever under 12 hours to think about it probably. And then next he thinks with enough time, maybe I'll suggest getting liquor, So I can stage a distraction, which he manages to start a whole fire in there. Uh, All in all, like very well done on his part.
0: Yes. It was because I had no idea what the fuck was going on. And when he's kind of looking around, like he grabs like a knife at first. And I guess he was thinking, maybe I'll defend myself against them.
1: I I thought he was going to go kill Lalo. I thought he was. I thought that Nacho had evaluated that those guys were going to come in there, kill everyone else, and that he couldn't get to the gate so that Lalo was just completely unguarded right there. That's what Mm -hmm. I thought Nacho was going to do.
0: I think you're right. I think that makes total sense. But when he started pouring the oil on the pan that he I had no, I was what what and then as he's walking out I was oh okay I get it. He's trying to bring him inside and then as Lalo goes inside I kept on waiting for Lalo to turn around and be like Nacho come help me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I kept thinking that he would think Nacho would come too.
0: <laughs> but he just goes off Then he lets he opens the gate and all, like the guys are there. He goes running off. I think that's the last we see of Nacho, right?
1: Yeah, yes, that is the last of him running off to wherever, I don't know.
0: Yeah, and then- (laughs) He doesn't
1: know whether Lalo's dead or alive. He hasn't been told yet that he's dead. True. So he's in a better position than others, I think, than Jimmy and Kim, than Mike and Gus, because all four of them have been told Lalo's dead.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I kept on thinking, even at the end scene, when Lalo was walking out, I was like, Uh, Man, I hope Nacho stuck around, but there'd really be no reason to do that. The overwhelming firepower that they had, I think he just figured this the surprise, they got guns, this is just going to happen. But then obviously, I mean. How
1: much of a lead does he have on him, though? I wonder. What's that? I wonder how much of a lead he has on Lalo. If he took, he he wouldn't have gotten a vehicle. Lalo didn't get a vehicle, but he could just go back and grab one. When you know, we see Lalo walking off, but in reality he wouldn't walk off. <laughs>
0: yeah, I see. I wondered about that because when when Lalo comes out at the end, he's standing there and he looks down, he sees the old woman. But I thought for a second we were supposed to notice that the car was missing. Mm. That that maybe Nacho had come back and taken the car. And, mm. and that, and that's why he gave it another look and got even angrier because he saw the – because we see when he sees the two glasses right before that. Yeah. So we, we know there's a signal there. He knows that Nacho was in on it. But um, that's a good question of whether or not – I mean I don't know how much – what value it has and in, in, in where we're going to get to next season. I would think we're going to – might just pick up very quickly where this left off. Yeah.
1: I think we, I think we yeah.
0: might do. That's a feeling uh, I get. But this whole scene, I mean, we can't really describe everything that happened in this action scene, but mm-hmm. it was awesome. I mean, the tunnel under the the, the uh, tub and the way he yeah. looks down, what, like Lalo just taking everybody out. And I love the fact that the last guy who he rips the mask off of was the first guy that he threw the oil on.
1: Oh, that's what it was. I was wondering. I was like, why is this yeah. sticky and weird? I was like, is this something mercenaries do to keep their masks on and they need like a solvent? <laughs> I was so <laughs> confused. Thank you. It was, I I that.
0: It um, was ninja glue. Um,
1: yeah, I was wondering. I appreciated that tunnel a lot, that bathtub yeah. tunnel. It reminded me, if you've seen Narcos or Narcos yep. in Mexico, there's a lot of stuff to do with you know tunnels or hidden chambers. El Chapo is known for his tunnels. There's even been, you know, tunnels in the shower and in bathtubs. So, uh, very true to cartels.
0: Yeah, it was, I mean, the way it was staged,
1: you know, those, shots, those sped up shots of him in the tunnel. Wow. Those were so cool.
0: Yeah, it was everything about it was really awesome. The way it was shot and staged and just, it was very believable there was never a point at which I was like, he couldn't get out of this because you could see the way. And they're, they're, I mean, I think they've traditionally done scenes like this well, which is that like all hell breaks loose. And if a person is in control, they can control the situation. And I just think that these guys were at a disadvantage because Lala was at his house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They didn't know about, you know, these, uh, well, one, they didn't think that, they would just <laughs> uh that he would just see them from the get go uh which is one part of it um but yeah they didn't know he would have a tunnel i was wondering did you wonder why lalo left the tunnel open originally
0: yeah i did yeah
1: and i was like what what's going to go on here <clears throat> and then you realize and i was like oh is he going to you know cause a fire in there and no, he just picks up the gun oh. and just shoots from above, which was a really cool idea.
0: Yeah, because I, I those. <laughs> that's a good point because he goes to shut it and then they, he hears them talking and then he opens it again. And at first I thought to myself, he just kind of got worried and ran, but then I realized that's the, he had the idea to lure them into the tunnel. Yeah, that he was like, okay, oh, I get I'm in the time. Okay, I'm gonna leave it open. And then he takes off. And it's so smart. It's the same thing with the oil in the face. I almost feel like he he didn't, he threw the oil in the guy's face, and he didn't go and shoot him or try to kill him. He left him there thinking, oh, this is convenient. Now I can use this guy to either get information in some way, which is just really smart.
1: Yeah, and of course he would want to keep one alive. Of course you do, always. You need to get information. And in his case, he was able to do the truly brilliant thing of making sure that they report that he's dead, which will give Lalo this nice element of surprise. And I think this is a good twist for the end of the season for everyone to think Lalo's dead and for him to uh, surprise them all. And I'm curious who he's going to go after Immediately, because um, obviously, I, I feel like he's got to blame Nacho. I don't. I really don't think there's a way out of it for Nacho. I mean, he knows Gus hired uh, the mercenaries, but I, yeah, I, it, he's got to go after Nacho, and so he knows Nacho's dad. I, I, I'm worried.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, and I think Jimmy and Kim too. I, I mean, he must. If
1: I, I don't see the thing there is that. I don't think he knows for sure that they must be part of this. Like he could go there. He could talk to them. They might damn themselves, but there's a lot, like there's a lot of other things on his radar. I feel like that are bigger than Saul Goodman.
0: I agree, but I also think that you sometimes start with the little guy
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: you think that if you can turn them, you can get to the bigger guy and get more of the information
1: yeah, I mean, if he went to solve Jimmy, he would just be like, and he managed to get him to come clean, he would be like, yeah, this guy Mike made me do it for someone I don't know. And that case, that would put him on Mike and Gus's case, and Nacho wouldn't be involved in that so much. Mm. Ah. Nacho wasn't involved in that side of things with, with Jimmy, so I, I, things would not get put on to Nacho, I think, there.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. I guess yeah. I guess we'll see because as we talked about before we end with this amazing scene of not of uh, Lalo walking on this Lifting gravel. <laughs> yeah, but that sound, the sound editing on that is just so smart and that it's like that rage, echoing rage inside of him and he's got that look on his face. Just like what a way to end the season with just this guy walking into the camera so angry. Um, I I was just like sitting there shocked because like I said, I thought they were going to end with Kim. And then to end with this, I was just taken aback because it was just leading into like the next scene. Almost like I just felt Nacho Lalo walks off next. I want to just get to the next scene, but that's going to be like two years until we get there.
1: Oh, yikes. That's true. Yeah. But at least we got a super long episode or somewhat long episode. It was about 59 minutes, 30 seconds, which is pretty good. You know, five minutes, a little more than that longer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was was a fantastic episode. And this season has been absolutely amazing. I mean, the way that they have transformed the show and – integrating so much of the Breaking Bad, action, tense, life or death stuff into a, a show that for so long was like a tale of two brothers and their love, right? And their just emotions for it to mm-hmm. morph so smoothly into what it is and what I can see, what we both like can foresee it becoming next season is, I mean, I still think this is the best show on TV right now. I absolutely love this season and I want, and you know, as we finish up, I want to thank you for taking this journey with me and coming on each week. This has just been really a fantastic, uh, I guess, nine weeks because we had two episodes the first.
1: Yeah, that is true. Um, I think this season, well, I, I would say for sure that this season is my favorite so far. It just keeps getting better and better, which is what you want out of a show and yeah, I just love this season so so much. Um and I wanted to ask uh who would you say your season MVP, favorite character whatever is this season?
0: I got to go with Lalo.
1: Lalo, cool. I got to go with Kim.
0: <laughs> okay. I mean, Kim, I love Kim. She's she's always amazing. But the way that Lalo surprised me and brought joy to my heart while being a sadistic dude.
1: Yeah, that is always nice. Lalo's number two for me.
0: Yeah, blew me away. But yeah, Kim, I mean, this, you know, I mentioned earlier that some people have written that the show really has become about Kim. I think that that is a testament to the actress, to the writers, to the organic way that they let the show grow and let her character grow. Um, it she is absolutely amazing. It's it's not even worth it to say oh she should win an Emmy because what are awards? Her performance is yeah, her awards, performance, you know.
1: But she does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she just does one of the subtlest performances on TV. It really is amazing how much she does with so very little,
0: like, yep. in
1: terms of external emotions that she shows. Although she's had more of a chance for that this season. And as an aside, uh, it's brief, but anyone who likes Rice Seahorn, you can see her uh, a little bit in Veep. The only real other thing I've seen her in.
0: Yeah, I remember
1: that. Yeah. I love. I Veep. was uh, pleasantly surprised. I hope she gets a lot more work once this is over. Obviously, her schedule's a little busy with this—not terribly busy—but I would like to see her what she does after this. Yeah, I. And also Connie Dalton. I mean, in the interviews I was reading. Uh, Peter Gould and Vince Gillian were just raving like all fans are about him. And they were like, they found a movie star. He has the charisma. He's going to blow up.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think they're, they're casting. Everybody is great. And I think that – I I mean, you know, hey, Better Call Saul started as a joke, right we're going to make a I remember when they they first talked about this show. It was supposed to be a half hour They were banding about the idea of a half hour kind of prequel yeah. comedy about it. It yeah. became this, and they keep on talking about kim i'm 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 so in for it. I mean, I know hey, the studio would love it it's i p people know it they recognize it Netflix will love it. Go, let's do a Kim series. I'm ready for five seasons of Kim. i
1: have to do it, though. Definitely, I know Peter Gould, at least, was like, I am done for <laughs> a, my, my next project. He'll do something else, probably another TV series, and then he's like, maybe with fresh eyes, I'll want to come back to this, but it's good for him to cleanse the palate, yeah. I think.
0: Well, they, like Vince Gilligan, kind of handed it off, right? They, they, yeah. they have brought a crew together. I just think it's just such an amazing crew. And um, like we're both saying, this season has been fantastic. It's been a joy to do the pod. And we do want to thank everyone for subscribing, listening, downloading. We really do appreciate it. It's been a real joy for me. Um, so for the last time here this season, peace out.